0: Hello and welcome to the Mersey Waves podcast. I'm Sarah and I'm part of Liverpool City Council's communications team. In each episode, we focus on a topic which shines a spotlight on one aspect of Liverpool life. Last time it was all about the city's music scene, but this instalment will have a bookish feel about it. We're talking libraries, an emotive subject which sees fiercely protective instincts kick in when the words budget cuts and libraries are used in the same sentence. I am currently stood on the ground floor of Central Library. It's midweek and it's really busy. Um, Loads of people around, um, browsing bookshelves. All the computer stations seem to be full. There's younger children um, in the Discover room, which is the children's library. And it's really lovely to see people's faces as they walk in and look up and see the incredible domed glass ceiling, which is just a beautiful sight to see. Liverpool is lucky enough to have 19 libraries, 14 are run by the City Council and we also operate one in HMP Liverpool. In 2017, Mayor Anderson reversed plans to cut £1.6 million from the library budget and in doing so protected the service until 2020. But we're living in times when the tide of austerity has not turned. This means we need to think differently about libraries and the service they offer to residents and visitors. In the face of commercial giants such as Amazon and Waterstones, libraries have been forced to evolve. Gone are the days when they're just quiet places to read or browse shelves for hours on end. You can still do that, of course, but now the offer is so much more. But have they evolved to the point where they are no longer at the heart of the community? Or do they remain a vital resource, providing cultural enrichment for all, regardless of your age or background? We're speaking to three people in the know who can tell us more. Head of Libraries John Keane has worked in the library service for more than four decades and despite the highs and lows remains passionate about the service. Simon Savage who runs the hugely successful booktube channel Savage Reads and is tasked with making the libraries more successful will join us and also Caroline Keep who was not only voted National Teacher of the Year in 2018 but is also dedicated to bringing libraries to life with her Makefest events. Hi all, and thank you for joining us on the Mersey Waves podcast in the very beautiful Central Library. Hi Sarah. Um, John, we're going to start with you. You've worked for the Council and the Library Service for a very impressive 45 years. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest change that you've seen during your career? I would say the biggest changes, Sarah, have
1: come in in the late 90s and through the 2000s, and. Computerisation, computers have come into libraries, we have a public offer which allows people to access the internet. Um, People do um, come in and use the Wi-Fi now that we have as standard in our libraries. And of course the move to as well as the physical books the e-book explosion that we've had, you know, in that period, which, which has actually plateaued and perhaps we want to talk about that a bit, but... When was that? When did they come in? Um, well, we we were one of the first libraries in the country to introduce them, and we introduced them in 2009, and we've been one of the forerunners for e-books ever since. Um, and also the online services, you know, you, you can access many of your library services. Um, over to internet these days, you know, um, from home, or, you know, or you can do it, a, it even within the library that you're sitting in. You know, you can use the Wi-Fi rather than a, a PC if you want. Um, and of course, you've, so you'll have e-books. You've got reference materials that you, you know young people can use for homework. Adults can use. Students can use. You know, for research. Even journalists there, I say, it uses. So as a result of all that, and very much an online offer, has footfall declined in libraries? No, it hasn't. We've just got a a slightly different user base, and it isn't just about people that only use online, or only use the physical books. Um, So, I still think there's a massive appetite for the physical book, as well as the e-book.
0: How do we compare to other cities in the UK, in terms of our library offer?
1: Well, we've always seen ourselves as as one of the best library services mm. in the yeah. country unashamedly um, and that's not just the head of library speaking that's the feedback that i get from you know from people who use ourselves so so for example we're sitting in central library at the moment and that in 2015 the bbc ran an online culture poll mm. and this library was voted one of the top libraries in the world you know which which is pretty impressive I think Simon will back me up last year Simon was just coming
2: to you we got um, booksellers library of the year last year which is amazing and that's where they get people throughout the industry to look at what libraries are doing look at the library itself and then say what what the top one is Um, and yeah we won so that was nice but also TripAdvisor Um, we get such great reviews on TripAdvisor consistently and we're generally in the top three of the top three things to do well top five other things to do in Mm. Liverpool so that's great for Central Library but it is because it's an amazing building but also so we get tourists we get local course, we get the whole mix, it's a really, really interesting mix
3: I'd probably say um, that the the Liverpool Central Library is very much at the forefront of of, of digital in regards to libraries overall, I mean me, Denise Jones and Mark are are just about to publish our our guidance for Makefest nationally for every library in the country so they're very much leading the way in regards to to digital hands-on skills and and Liverpool Library itself represents, as all libraries do, a real sense of inclusivity regarding technology. The concept that most people have internet access at home and are able to use them is is quite a fallacy. There's many areas that don't have that type of access, and the library provides that for them. In an increasing digital world, you you need that base of, of accessibility for everybody in the community, not just for a very small few. Um, and the concept that that people don't come to libraries is nonsense. Libraries are more popular than ever, and I think the services they're offering now are, are really ri- wide ranging. They represent the best of, of British uh, inclusivity and technology that you can get.
2: And I think with students as well, like mm. we're so busy during student revision time that we had to get extra chairs. <laughs> like, yeah. so the footfall is huge. And what is it? We roughly. Two thousand to two yeah. and a half thousand normally, this, and then we go higher. Just building alone will do two thousand
1: to two and a half thousand people a day. In the summer holidays, Easter break, half term, we put activities on for children and families morning and afternoon every day, and it will go to about three thousand, maybe a bit more than three thousand a day. So, so the footfalls great. But coming back to Caroline's point about digital access. If you think about a modern library service probably the best way to get it if you don't already subscribe or have that understanding is that it's probably a third about books and study, it's a third about access to the internet which could be study or it might be for other reasons and a third for activities or a community space that you can feel safe in. And I think if you just keep those three Mm -hmm. factors in mind, uh, and there are a variety of uses, as Caroline said. So for example, when we do the makerspace, which Caroline and my colleague Denise Jones and her other colleague, have led, Mark isn't it, you've Mark, led yeah. that, nationally it's being recognised, but we've also taken it out into our community libraries as Can well. Can you tell us what that is? Yeah.
3: What is I, I, run, I run Liverpool Makefest, um, so it's the it's the flagship Makefest nationally, um, it is a festival of digital um, making hands-on creativity um, that has everything from, we get about 150 plus individual as makers, teachers, leaders in the field, everything from virtual reality straight through to 3D printing, to Arduino, to Raspberry Pi. Um, and they all come and showcase and do workshops on one day a year for free for the community. Um, off the back of it, uh, me and Denise then pursued us, uh, and Denise led the, the Make a Difference f- uh, Fund that was an ACE nationally funded fund. Uh, the Make a Difference project, then spilled out into libraries across the Liverpool Absolutely. community. That's
1: Arts Council um, England as well. These. Yes,
3: yeah, it is. Arts Council England has funded us substantially, um, uh, and the library's innovation for everybody funders has funded us extensively. It's been spread across the whole of the Liverpool community. It's impacted maybe 7,000, 8,000 kids across Liverpool. Um, doing digital workshops learning hands-on skills getting involved with reading getting involved with literacy getting involved with with stem education um on the day that we do it we get about seven thousand visitors turn up we've had everything from the bbc's daleks straight through to this year building the biggest 3d printed rocket you know we we have it all um but it's it's spread it across communities um, and I was very proud of Denise's work with that along with Little Sandboxes who now are based in Toxtus Library. Um, to do, and Norris Green. Yeah, Norris Green, yeah. So, in the North. In the North, so they did lots of work that was to promote that to young people that that normally would have never had access for it um, and normally you just wouldn't get that kind of education in those communities. Um, it's, it's, it's quite new, but it represents... 90%, according to the, the House of Commons government science report, 90% digital proficiency is what's going to be needed for our jobs in the future. And digital proficiency is, is, is not going to be, you know, we just poke on a screen. That's not, even with the best kids, that's not what we actually need. So for them to get a substantial education across, and, and the libraries has been very much at the heart of that. We now have one in Stoke, we've seen one... Um, across other cities are popping them up. We've seen one in Chester. I think there's one coming up in Pelton. There's several planned across the country now. It's so. a real
0: exemplar of best
3: practice. Though. Yeah, yeah, it's a very much an exemplar of best practice. Um, so it's, it's been quite significantly celebrated. So I, I'm very, very proud of it. I'm very proud of what it stands for, a very open community, being able to give back something to um, a community through a library, which is, is the perfect partner for that.
0: Simon, you've been with Central Library, or the Library Service, sorry, for 18 months. Yes. Um, Your job is to look at bringing events, to commercialise the libraries, because obviously we're in very difficult budget times at the moment, we need to think differently. How has your Past 18 months
2: been. Well, the first thing to say is I think Liverpool's again shown itself as being forward-thinking and bringing in a commercial manager role. And I, I do think commercialisation is seen as a dirty word, but it's not because it's there to help sustain a service. Um, so it's been really interesting because what I've really found exciting is that the team are very open to doing things differently and because if you've got a passion for libraries which everyone here has you are going to want them to last and you want to keep them so my role is to come in and look at the service and look at central library initially because it's got the biggest footfall and and see where there were elements that could be commercialized now that's not to say they're going to become you know Sainsbury's Picton Room or the McDonald's Central Library or anything like that because that is not what we want but it's to look at where partners can come in and offer things for free that mean that we don't have to pay for those certain so it's cost saving to us so we had some great stuff with Mattel where they came in and did some kids events for us and um, one thing that we were very kind of all on the line about straight off was that the kids elements always have to remain free because you know as, and that's where I think I hope one of the things that when I came for the interview, the job was that my passion for libraries is really strong in the fact that my mum took me to university with her and the library was where she would study and I would basically play and learn. Um, So I came in with a real love for libraries. Um, But yeah, so it's to look at how we do things differently in terms of what events we do, but what can we do in a different way or how can we create bigger events and how we can use some of the library spaces that aren't currently in use so where libraries have had to close for certain days can we use them to then hire out for certain different things we've just had a really good um recently a really good uh, deal with Toxta so that's really good um and it's just been to kind of come in and look at also our special collections our Audubon is one of the you know one of the rarest books in the world we have all four volumes which is really rare we did a showing of two of them after Christmas and it was so popular we realized that that's where there is potentially some really good income, especially because they're out of copyright. So we're looking at bringing in merchandise, we're looking at doing a bigger event with all four of them, and um, possibly with live birds flying around, which will be exciting. We've done the live birds
1: before, yeah. We, and read and we <laughs> did the Harry Potter stuff, you know, back, back 20 years. But ago. again, that's where I think
2: it's brilliant because the team there's not been an, it's not been no, it's been well, how can we do things and how can we change it? Yes, there's obviously going to be red tape, we're part of a council, and, and things sometimes take a lot longer than. Than you would hope. So for example, we've got some donation, contactless donation boxes due to arrive, but the financial paperwork around that because we're a is huge. So it just, it makes things probably I would say about six or seven times longer can
1: I pick up on Simon's point about the donation boxes I mean we, we were clear as Simon said we didn't want to charge the kids we had, we, we, we've always done these things for families it's the lifeblood of the next generation yeah. and it helps them with their literacy and and, and, and confidence in so many ways and places. also
2: community building and socialising yeah. it's fantastic so
1: we took a decision that we were not going to charge for the activities and no we we're going to pass a bowl around because that, that can make people feel uncomfortable so what we did was we designed a really nice box at the front which lights up and it looks like Central Library and you can put your money in. It's but like a there's no say, magnet. You know if you can't afford to put the money in you don't <laughs> but it is a kitty magnet um, and of course you know people are welcome to put their folding money in and people do and we get a lot of tourists as well and they're not you know shy of putting a few yeah. in and showing their appreciation. And so. contactless
2: is great because also because wherever they'll be positioned it's like a tipping it's like saying thank you for helping or what especially with archive or where they've kind of got books out and had some some know, uh, help with that, I think it's just a really good way of doing it and it's a nice way of saying to people, you know, you can support you don't have to give us thousands, we'd love it if some people did but at the same time, it's that kind of every penny helps And
1: on that point, we're a statutory service and that means that the the, the city council has to provide a library service but a statutory library service does not have to provide free activities for the kids, this city chooses to Mm. so um, what I'm trying to bring out here is that For those who can afford to put a few bob in the box, whether it be pennies or pounds, that's going back into those activities for the children and similar things that we don't have a statutory duty to provide.
2: And I think the statutory thing is quite interesting because when I talk to potential partners, there is this, a bit like when I used to work for Liverpool, there is this kind of, yeah, but the council's always going to be there, so you're always going to do it. And it's really hard to educate people that that isn't the case. Um, so where I mean one of the things that I look at particularly is corporate social responsibility because obviously these are community hubs are at the same time as being libraries. So how do we bring in those those private sector partners to come in and do stuff with us as well? So that's a really key element. But yeah, I think there is that thing where people do the thing, yeah, but libraries are just gonna be around forever and that's not true. Well they will be because they're amazing and they'll keep going, but you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: And they have to evolve as yeah.
3: well. Yeah, but I think if we want the library service that we actually deserve in this yes. city then the, the, we do have to branch out into other other options you know I run the, ver- the very biggest free digital yeah. one so we keep it free and we, we raise the funds for it separately and we bring it to the library and the library is our partner in doing that but obviously for those things yet yeah, again to continue you do have to you know be able to source a funding to be able to do that so to support your libraries are absolutely crucial especially from a funding position because the 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 services are you know currently being cut left right and center you know regardless of what you hear about we have plenty of money and we're donating out you know and in schools i can tell you that is not the case um so services are always at risk and especially services that are inclusive and and Democratic and, and everybody can access. You know, that's that's the key difference between a library and everything else. Um, it's one of the, f- the very few places that, that you have left that anybody can walk into and anybody can access. Yeah. Um, so that makes it very crucial for any city.
0: Was it a conscious decision of yours to stage your event in a library?
3: Absolutely. It was a very, very conscious event. We had most of the event pretty much mapped out. It was a very conscious decision to put it in a library.
0: Why not? Like because we
3: felt a library represented categorically the ethos of, of the maker community, the ethos of open source, the ethos of, of, uh, of the inclusiveness that we wanted for young people, for adults, for families, for the elderly. And we felt that it would be the most... Protected for the benefit of the community in here, um, we've seen perfect examples. There's, there's other festivals that do it. I've not nowhere near been as successful as us. Um, that are in different locations that have put it in, you know, a, a big huge event building. But the problem with that is that it becomes very quickly too commercialised. And makers have a very very social conscience, <laughs> so they're very. Particular, we're very, we're very fussy about doing things for the benefits of our community and there's a lot of questioning about whether that is in the interest of our community. Libraries are always in the interests of everybody. Um, they are always the most supportive, most inclusive place that you can be. They don't belong to anybody. There's no politics in a library. There's no, I would like my giant banner of McDonald's up somewhere. Well, if you have a private corporate event, you will face that. If you have a library, no, the only thing they would like you to, you know, really get is people into your library. Um, and that suits us perfectly. That's why we had a categoric choice for libraries. Also, being, you know, uh, being a teacher, you know, libraries fundamentally represent the best of education. You know, they represent reading, at a massive level. The research is very clear. Uh, Literacy for young people, if you can get your young people to read, it will fundamentally change the, the results at the end. So reading is a crucial skill for every other point that you would like to make later on the line for your young people to succeed. If you can get them to read widely and read intensively, then they will perform better. And families do deserve places to be able to come and just get the kids, get our box. So yeah, the library was a very, very conscious choice for us and one that we've kept quite stringent there's been requests of us running MakeFests in alternate locations and, and we've been very um, fussy about it, saying that we, we believe that, the, and our, our current national guidance does as well, that uh, the guidance for us is that a MakeFest is, is solely, majoritively ran in a library. That's what makes a MakeFest. Um, it, we do make concessions for the likes of our friends in Manchester who run those in a museum, but yet again, equal access, open opportunity so yeah very very key point for us
0: what's the future of our library service
3: well we'll continue
1: to evolve as we have done we'll continue to look to be amongst the leaders if not always the leader Um, in terms of coping with the so-called austerity period I think we've done remarkably well I have to say I mean I've been the head of libraries although I've worked for 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 the council for 45 years. I've been the head of libraries for eight years now, so the majority, and I was on the management team before that, so the majority, in fact, all of the austerity period I've, I've worked through, lived through. And what we, I think in the main, what we've done is we've consulted with the public, we've allowed their views to be presented that they don't want their libraries to close or... If, if, you know, for example, we did take our opening hours down across the city back in 2012, but that was because the public said they'd prefer that to closures. Then in 13, 14, 15, as we faced further budgetary challenges, and um, we did another public consultation exercise And, you know, I can say that five of our 19 libraries are actually run by community organisations. Now, would I seek that professionally? Possibly not. Would I rather have that than communities lose their libraries? Emphatically, yes. And we don't leave them to their own devices. We keep the same one single membership system in, and the ability to access the digital services are still there. And we support them with our professional expertise, they manage the day-to-day running, but they're not left to their own devices in order to do that. There's the there's, there's support there. Two of our libraries are co-located with one-stop shops. Well, three, actually. Two are run directly by the one-stop shops, and we have a co-location at Norris Green Library as well, where the one-stop shop is in a, a, a bigger library. So I think we'll continue with the political support that we've had to look for different ways of doing things. We'll evolve... Um, Um, One of the things I haven't spoken about, but I think deserves a shout, is we're also the repository for the city's three million archives, Mm. which is a huge draw, both for for people who are doing serious research, if you like, for a book or a publication, but for people who want to know more about their city or their family tree. Um, You know, this afternoon, we will have a help desk running with volunteers who help people to find out more about their family tree. That takes a little bit of pressure off the archivists. Uh, And then the archivists can pick up the more detailed work. Um, So there's an awful lot going on, and um, I'm I'm fiercely proud of the service. And I think we'll continue to face the challenges, uh, and with the support that we've had politically, we will, um, ...we will move forward, Sarah.
2: I think it's really exciting. To, I mean, it, you know, there are a lot of scare stories out there... ...but actually, if you think proactively... ...and that seems to be what Liverpool as a service are doing... ...and having been here 18 months, that's what I've seen... ...I think it's really exciting... ...because we are bringing in different events... ...like yeah. MakeVest, which we've been doing in a while... ...but also other events coming in the future... That we wouldn't have thought of doing, but it's a great way of drawing either people in. I mean, we've been doing really great music venues, stuff downstairs. Yeah, that's been there, amazing. Yeah, yeah they've um, got. We've got exactly. So we've got that, know, that. That's so. fantastic. Also, it's it's getting people to interact with books and stories. Yes, the library service is about books, but actually, there's a lot going on. Then nobody's going to lose the sight of the books. That is, you know, one of the primary things. But it is about how do we use these spaces to bring stories to life? How do we engage people in reading? How do we get or music or poetry? Tree or anything. There's so much in the building and I think if if people have a very proactive and very open attitude to what a library can be I think there's loads of loads of exciting stuff to come.
1: I think that word excitement's right. We've, we've looked to try and create exciting environments and exciting activities. When we've talked about the activities for the children, they're, they're not just you run of the mill. We have magicians and magic shows. We've it's got drag coming. We'll have We'll have 200 plus young kids with their families here, when Caroline and mm. the team do the makerspace, you've got Darth Vader walking up the stairs, you've oh, got yeah. robots, you've got people making things with their hands, Whether it be, you know, it's just so the, vibrant, isn't yeah. it?
3: I think one of the things I've said is to, you know, if you're listening to this, especially if you're creative digital artist type. I would probably rethink your, uh, your views of, of your library. Yeah. they are your absolute partner in, in especially in the bidding process, especially in getting through um, bids for the arts Council, for the digital, for the creative, to bring your events to a library is a great thing to do you know and uh, just we've had hundreds of examples of these, but just a recent one is Sam Meach's work in Paul that went on in the Picton uh, reading room. And was absolutely beautiful. It was, it was a digital, creative, um, interactive project. It was Art Council funded. It's currently up for a national award. It was incredible work. And really at the very forefront of interactive, you know, uh, digital YouTube, creativity. It? It, 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 yeah, it's, it's stunning. YouTube, it's incredible. And, and I do hope he does. But the library was the partner for that. You know, the library is the venue for these things. So, you know, you can, you know, you can look and say, well, we do, you know, large in libraries, we do gigs, we do art events, we do magic shows, we've done Mm. Harry Potter, we've done digital, we've done creative, Mm. we've done 3D printing. It's not just about the books. Um... The books are always at the heart for me, but I wanted an experience where people could come in and do something and then go, how do I find out more about that? Well, there's a shelf right over there. you can Well, also, it.
2: what's exciting is, is people were saying the death of the book recently, and how, you know, especially with ebooks actually, that was it. Paperbacks and hardbacks have never sold better because they're, they're yeah. becoming more yeah, beautiful yeah. items, but also because people are really wanting screen-free time sometimes, mm-hmm. and that is where the book can give you the perfect escape.
1: Just on that, the the book has always been a carrier of information, hasn't it? You know, we can argue about the format it's in, but what it actually is, is information. Mm. And people seek information to be inspired, to find out, to have conversations with the dead, maybe. You know, but a book, in any format, is is just a way of accessing some knowledge. That's what it is. And the knowledge is usually then used for other reasons. It might be because it's your homework, or it might be because, as Caroline said, you're creating something, and it might be going it might go on to be your livelihood. But th- that, that that's the key issue I'd add with
2: that as well, the escapist element as well, because reading's been proved to be so good for people's mental health, I think that's another thing that people, it is it's, you know—you yeah. could be here
3: stuff. effectively all day to talk yeah. about the benefits <laughs> yeah. of a library I mean, you know, you're quite right mental health, social inclusivity you know, uh, child welfare the, the benefits to having access to a library are profound yeah. for, for every part of society Just on that point
1: Caroline, where else can you actually go and be just be quiet and just keep to yourself, and you're not going to be asked to leave because you're taking up table space or you haven't bought a cup of coffee for an hour. Yeah, you know. And we do have loads of people who are, for whatever reason, have been displaced yeah. in our society, and they can find libraries as a safe place to be. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of people do feel threatened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're not in a stable place in their mm-hmm. lives. And they do use libraries, and sometimes all they want to do is just sit in out of the rain and keep themselves to
3: themselves you know if you if you're thinking of writing that novel or you're thinking of writing that book your best bet is to to, and a lot of my friends have done that at the Picton you know Adrian McEwen wrote the first book of the internet of things here Mm -hmm. Um, you know quite famous book Um, so if you're thinking of doing that your your absolute best bet is to just get yourself a flask of coffee come to the library and hook up to the internet and write it here instead of being shunned on you know for within an hour because You've not got quite enough room, you know. Whatever cafe that is that you've just spent, you know, five pound on a latte for. You, yeah. you know, if you want, donate that five pound to your library. You know, from any yeah. of the donation boxes. It will, it will give young people and, and vulnerable groups access here that otherwise it wouldn't. And let's face it, there's no one more beautiful than the Picton Reading Room to hang well, out with. Well, you there. know you were saying about
1: people writing. Yeah. Um, when Roger McGough was here in 2008, Capital Culture Year, uh, we were waiting to do an interview with Radio Mersey. i started just killing a bit of time in my office and Roger was telling me about the Picton Reading Room. And apparently... That's where he wrote "I Hope I Die a Young Man's Death," which mm. is a fabulous poem. If you haven't, if you haven't read it, you've got to, you've got to read it, preferably in the Picton reading room. Mm. But um, it was just such a lovely story, you know. And we were just for a, a bit of a time. But I wish I had a pound for every time someone has said to me, "Oh, I used to use the Picton." Reading room, um, you know, yeah. when I was studying, yeah. you know, or it's one of my favourite spaces. In fact, Ken Dodd and we've got mm. his bust in there now. Lady yeah. Anne Dodd has be- bequested the, the, you know, Ken's bust to us. It was one of his favourite spaces, and that's actually the inscription on the bust. You know, that uh, from Lady Anne gave us the words. Mm. Um, so if it's good, good enough for Ken Dodd, it's good I enough for everyone.
3: One of the things I love when we do Makefest is children's faces, because it's the only room we don't put anything in. Yeah. Uh, obviously yeah. because it's such a room. Oh, you mean the Picton? Room. Yeah. 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 And also because I wouldn't ever want to put anything in that room. It's so stunning. Um, and it's one of the things is you see them, you know, running around. We get hordes and hordes of kids. We get school buses these days. And they'll kind of go up and they'll do some 3D printing. They'll look at some virtual reality and they'll do some coding. And then they get to the Picton reading room and they're like, oh, this is amazing. And the, the they really get that grasp of, oh my God, this is like a real library. You know, school libraries are in decline. Very often children don't see libraries. You know, getting a school bus to, a you know, an event space, uh, you know, like a library these days, is quite hard, actually. You know, you've got to get it out of your school budget and get it organised. So, you know, having children be able to just come and experience what a library is like... Is, is very important and being able to know that they could come with their parents and get books for free.
2: One of my favourite moments so far has been when I was in Discover and um, a little girl came up to me and asked me, Mr Library Man, uh, how many books could she get? And I said 20 and it's like I've never seen anyone's yeah. eyes go <laughs> so big with joy, it was lovely. Hmm.
0: Hmm. Just to end this podcast, in one word can each of you sum up the library service?
2: Mine would be exciting.
0: Amazing.
3: Mine would be inclusive. Hopefully.
0: Thank you very much for taking part today. It's been really fascinating. Thanks, Thanks Thank you, much. you all so much. That is the end of this episode. Thanks very much for listening. Please make sure you subscribe and why not leave us a review? You can also switch on automatic downloads so you don't miss any future Mersey Waves podcast. If you want to get in touch, you can email hello at merseywave.co.uk. It would be great to hear from you. And if there's a topic you'd like us to cover in our podcast, let us know.